Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Nintendo Switch UK podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Al. And I'm Anton. And what is incredibly exciting about this week is we went from a slightly quieter week this last week to an incredibly full show this week. It's a bit bumper, isn't it? Well, I mean, they did randomly just drop a, an Indie World Direct on us, which we weren't really expecting, which is it's great. We love them, but it means we have a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, I quite like a lot of the stories tonight as well. I'm quite, I'm quite excited to get into it. But before we do, there's been a new review, I believe, Anton, on the YouTube Indeed, uh, Louise has been back with a title that I wouldn't have expected to see on Nintendo Switch, uh, Tentant 1942. It's out now on the YouTube channel. It is a FMV puzzle mystery game. Go check it out based on real life history. And yeah, it looks quite serious, uh, unusually yeah. serious compared to most things we've reviewed. I think I describe it as like a unique history experience. I mean, given the subject matter... It's heavy going, isn't it? It's it's not it's not sort of a light game. It's it's going to teach you stuff and make you feel stuff. Yeah, yeah. most mostly what I feel from games is just pure rage. So it'll be a change <laughs> of pace. Speaking of that, what have you been playing this week, Anton? Um, speaking of rage, I have been playing Super Mario Maker Two. It's always fun. Sometimes you play something that was made by you know a three year old, and then you get something that's like designed by like a three times award-winning game designer on their lunch break you never know what you're going to get with that game so i'd love to dip in and out every now and then i've also went ahead and wrapped up reggie fizeme's new book really enjoyed it some great insight into nintendo sadly i was expecting the uh, conversational part about his actual time at nintendo to be a little bit larger um it's a little bit more condensed there's like Merely sizable chapters, but it's very much like there's a chapter for the DS and uh, well, the Game Boy Advance and GameCube, the Wii and DS, 3DS, and Wii U, and then a chapter for the Switch. So, a very brief on each of the eras. Would have loved some more detail, but overall, an enjoyable read. How about yourself, Alistair? I have not done much, but I have done a little bit in as much as I played a couple of games of Super Bomberman R with the Wii Man, who has got surprisingly good at it in a very short space of time. And normally when we're doing a four player um, sort of battle royale with two CPU characters running around, I'm the first one to go out on easy. I mean, I'm not liking this. This is uncool. Just getting old. I'm, lose- I'm losing my crown. Yeah, you're losing your reaction times. <laughs> I think that's really what it yeah, is. that too. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been playing more Kirby and really enjoying it. Really uh, loving that game. And not a lot else, to be honest. It's been a bit of a quiet week, uh, just with various other things happening. But I am really enjoying Kirby. And I'm, I'm, it's a very easy pick up and play kind of game where I'm, you know, if you're sitting down for a while, it's like, well, I'll just play. I'll just play a couple of levels. So what world are you just, at, if I may ask? Uh, I'm not sure. I think only like this maybe the second or third world how many worlds are there oh i couldn't give you a number maybe seven or eight but that few, <laughs> few yeah i'm not good at maths <laughs> yeah i i lost track i mean i don't know how to be fair i still not finished it yet i haven't picked it up actually for a month that's maybe more than a month actually oh. i need to get back into that but uh yeah that, i did that. have a great moment this week though i took my son to the toy shop on sunday because it's his birthday in a couple of weeks time so it's like, okay, let's go to the toy shop. Let's let's see what you'd like for your birthday. So we went all around the toy shop, 
he had to get something from us and he had to go and pick something from his granny and grandpa and he had to go pick something from his auntie. So he picked up some back again for, from his mum and dad, from his granny and grandpa and he picked up some, uh, I can't remember what, he else, what else he got from auntie. But when he came to us, he went around the entire shop, looked at all the toys, every single one of them. Then he has to go over and look at the, the video games because he was kind of quite keen on buying Minecraft for the Switch. Even though he already has an iPad, I was trying to dissuade him from buying it on the Switch. And he picked Pokemon. He was going to get Pokemon Arceus, and I was like, mm, you're just going to learn to read. The text kind of goes thick and fast in Arceus. Maybe you should get one of the, the older styles or slow ones when, you know, you press a button, text scrolls to the page. So we went and picked uh, Pokemon Sword. Nice. nice. Winning. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I'm going to try and... Uh, I'm not quite there yet. My my son is not even two yet, and my daughter is six months old. So, start um, them young, Mike. Yeah. Start them young. I mean, I, I must admit, I was playing some Kirby earlier, and she kept trying to eat the controller. So I had to go and get. I've got a fake uh, controller which looks like a controller. So I had to give her that instead. Um, <laughs> so she chewed on that instead. She's not quite sitting up properly, so she sort of chews it and then falls over. So yeah, she. Gets, I vaguely remember your son chewing on that same controller. Yeah, right it's it's yeah. it's a very well chewed controller. <laughs> I also chew on it when I'm getting frustrated with some games. Right, let's um, let's move on this week, actually, and get right into it. I know we will talk a bit about the podcast in general and, and uh, all that stuff, but let's move on to the news. Tell us that people want to know. Quite a lot to get through, actually, this week, and we're going to start with a story that I've been wanting for a very long time and very happy about this. Remedy Entertainment have announced Alan Wake for the Nintendo Switch. It's an action-adventure game thriller, native port, eShop only, coming out autumn, fall 2022. Couple of questions on this, Anton. So first of all, I was going to get um, Alan Wake remastered on the uh, Xbox recently, um, but held off because I figured it might come to Game Pass on the Xbox. However, on the Switch, this is one of my favourite games of all time. I love it. Is it the remastered version we're getting? So it is not Alan Wake remastered. However, it is a port of Alan Wake with some improvements. It looks like so. It will be kind of less like a Mafia remastered and more like a Burnout Paradise remastered. So a little bit shinier. And to be honest, I think it still looks pretty good. I'm still fairly convinced by it. I'm sh- Alan Wake remastered f- what they've shown and what it will eventually be will just look stunning because they've done control and they can make gorgeous games. But to be honest, I think the package you'll be getting on Switch, presuming it runs smoothly will look more than adequate. Yeah, particularly if you're going to play it in handheld mode. I mean, you're probably not going to see a huge amount of difference. So I think it's kind of cool. I have to admit, I was slightly taken aback by the story because I was thinking, did we not get this? It feels like we've been talking about this for so long. I can't believe we've just had the official announcement now. It's been leaked and leaked and leaked and leaked a bit more and leaked a little bit more. And I kind of had forgotten we didn't officially know about it. Well, to be honest... It kind of went, the, the original leak kind of led us to the the release on the other systems. And I think we got to the point where we thought, well, if it's come out on Xbox, etc., then it's probably not actually going to come out on the Switch. So I was actually quite surprised that it, it's actually arrived on the Switch um, now because I'd kind of written it off. I don't know how you felt about it, Anton. I'm completely the same. And especially since Remedy Entertainment were the first people to do cloud streaming with their port of control. I, I thought, sure thing, just drop Alan Wake Remastered as a cloud version. So the fact that they've went to this additional effort with the intention that it won't sell the most with them doing an e- eShop release is very commendable. I'm very happy to see a game that can definitely run on Switch 
getting the port it deserves, unlike other developers, Square Enix, cough, cough. Yeah, and there is also the um, Alan Wake TV series, which is coming, which I'm quite interested to see what that's like. And they're kind of looking at Alan Wake 2 as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of Alan Wake. I wonder if it's just to kind of get it to as many people now and remind people that at one point we were, well, we were talking about this game five years or something before it actually came out. I remember the hype and I think that's kind of what let it down in the first place was there was just too much hype around it. And I think people kind of went, ah, it's okay, but actually in hindsight, it's actually a really good game. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Yeah, especially since I think Remedy Entertainment's always been one of those companies similar to uh, Obsidian that's just kind of been on the verge of bankruptcy but just makes games so good that they can't quite go out of business. And I think now <laughs> with Control, they've got enough leverage to be the creative geniuses that they are and make the games that they want on the platforms they want and not be so dependent on publishers. Yes. What do you reckon the chances are we'll see Alan Wake remastered cloud version in like a year's time? Mm, I'm not sure. We, I don't think we will. I, I think if anything, we might see Alan Wake 2 cloud version if we're still talking Switch. Um, I think it would confuse the market in terms of their sales. I think I think I know what you mean because if they did it in a year, then you know people are going to buy it, are going to buy it anyway. But I don't know, Anton. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think with 90% of all other developers, I would be like, absolutely not. However, seeing how they've handled, once again, Control on the other platforms, they sell Control and then Control Ultimate Edition in parallel to each other. One that runs only on the PS5 and Xbox Series X and one that runs, well, can run via backwards compatibility, but is an Xbox One and PS4 version. And they sell them in parallel, which is a bit odd. And it's not just like, an X patch. It's like, if you want the Ultimate Edition, it only runs on these ones. So they've done some weird stuff like that before and it would be very unique, to say the least. Yeah, it's possible. It is possible. Uh, I'd be surprised, but, you know, nothing really surprises me with the way things are. It's actually getting to a point now where it's starting to get confusing again. It's like, especially if you're on the other consoles, the Switch has got the beauty of it just being, well, it's a cartridge, a download, or there's the occasional cloud version. But with Xbox, honestly... The GTA GTA Five saga was uh, remaster was a nightmare because you had to go into menu and sub menu to find out how to get the version that actually ran on the Series S or the Series X, and you had the same issue, Al, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had to call you and go, Mike. What am I buying here? I don't know what to buy. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's too much. Uh, Nintendo announced Kirby sixty four, the Crystal Shards, the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack. It's a side scrolling Kirby platformer featuring three D graphics. It's out now. A bit of classic Kirby. Good timing for a classic Kirby game as well, uh, Al. 
It is. I mean, it's always a good time for a classic Kirby. But yes, now that many people are probably getting to the end of Kirby's uh, The Forgotten Land, they will be looking for the next Kirby hit. And why not go back in time to a sort of a semi-3D-ish? I mean, it's very much a 3D land because it was developed for the N64, a properly 3D machine. But it's still a side-scrolling platformer and it's kind of pretty. may not be one of the best Kirby games ever, but who cares? It's Kirby. I like it. It makes me happy. Yeah, you know... Even if Kirby doesn't reinvent the world, they're always fairly solid. And this is one that I feel like it's a little bit neglected. It's not like in a a console that was in its 2D prime, like the NES or the SNES. You know, it came from a time where I think a lot of people neglected 2D, you know, or rather side-scrolling games, despite the 3D graphics, in the same way that people neglected Klonoa when it first came out. So I'm very excited to see this get a, a fresh lease on life on hopefully an audience that will give it a fair shake this time around. Yeah, you it still be- looks very fresh as well, actually. The graphics on it look really good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the whole service is improving rapidly and I think more like this, games that you know are still decent quality even if they are uh, of an era now. But um, yeah, I'm going to definitely play this one, I think. Uh, Ubisoft have announced a global release of Rabid Hole with Rabid's Party of Legend for Nintendo Switch. It's an adventure party game coming out June 30th this year. I remember vividly on the Wii... Yeah, it was the Wii, one of the Rabbids games. Uh, I There was a glitch which didn't allow you to complete it. And I refused to believe that this glitch was real and kept trying. Oh, actually, I tried a lot and got... It's probably the angriest I've ever got at a game and was very close to smashing the TV. And I know you're looking at me like, that must have been angry because I've seen you angry at games. That must have been Tuesday, frankly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly. I mean, it was almost Tuesday when I was chewing the flipping cartridge, the the, the CD, because I was that angry. Um, But no, it was... um, There was a a glitch and I didn't know about it. And then when I found out about it, I was like, I can beat the glitch because I was so angry and mad at it. But um, I still love the games. They were a lot of fun. And um, I think this is quite fun. It's kind of... I think it's a perfect home for for another Rabbids game. And yeah, bring it on, I say. Al, what do you think? Will we be adding this party game to our uh, list? Um, Quite possibly. I mean, we we do love a good party game and the Rabbids are, let's face it, kind of hilarious. I mean, they were mocked for a very long time. Everyone scoffed at them until Mario Rabbids came out and everyone went, you know what, that's a great game. These characters are wonderful. And all of a sudden, I think it upped its status to the point where this is now a genuinely acceptable game that people actually like to go play purely because of Mario Rabbids. <laughs> but it looks fun. It looks well done. It's been around in China for a while. It's been, I think it was released in 2019 in China, off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure I read that before. And it's now getting its Western release on the 30th of June. So that's kind of cool. Indeed. It is kind of exciting to see this because for a bit there, it felt like it was lost, uh, sadly, for the Chinese audience only. However, we're finally getting it over here in the West. It looks quite well done in Polish. And it's lovely to see this kind of return of the king moment for the rabbits, where I think we had this phase where, you know, we had five of them in a row and it was oversaturated and it also killed off Rayman accidentally. Uh, But now that Rayman's doing its thing and it's been a while, it's lovely to see this franchise make its return in. Uh, I would love to see some proper reviews on this title with its blend of having, I guess, party game mechanics, but using that to push an adventure forward. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that mix works. Yeah, me too. I think that it's quite a nice idea, though. I think if they can get that right, that could really kind of give you the 
the satisfaction that's maybe lacking sometimes in a party game. I'm thinking of like WarioWare games where they're a lot of fun, but sometimes with progress, you're like, well, okay, where do what do we do now? Whereas I think with an adventure party game, that could really work well. So interested to see how they work it. Summit Sphere, this is one for um, one of our hosts, which will become apparent in a second, I'm sure is involved in the development of this. Have announced a Kickstarter for Anton Blast, and it's an explosive action platformer inspired by the Game Boy Advance. It's aiming to release in 2023. You might remember Anton Ball Deluxe last year. Uh, there is a Windows demo available now from AntonBlast.com. Anton, what was your inspiration behind this game? <laughs> I just thought video games were really cool and you know they've done a lot in the the past 40 years but they haven't had me yet um and that's why I was my biggest inspiration <laughs> love it well done congratulations but, uh, in reality I know nothing about this game so do enlighten me Al <laughs> I mean it's it's basically it's a GBA inspired platformer I mean they they liken it to Wario Land Shovel Knight and Metroid Dread kind of all mashed together and it does look like a really cool old school GBA game amusingly the main character you're running along as has a lot of black hair kind of sounds familiar looks like I mean yours isn't quite black but it's dark it does look a bit like you if you were sort of very angry and bulked up a lot <laughs> Well, why, why, thank you, I think. Uh, this was an additional <laughs> news story added to the notes, so I, I am out of the loop on this one with uh, many Googlings to be had. Yeah, I'm not sure if well, that was a compliment, Anton. I'm not, I can't, I, I don't know is the answer. I'll take it as a Good, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Either way, go check out the Kickstarter. It starts literally, well, tomorrow as we record, but today as we actually put this out. So, uh, yeah, go check out the Kickstarter and uh, go see if you can help fund Anton Blast, because mm. Anton. Fair enough. Uh, Nintendo is forecasting 2022-23 to be a down year across the board with expectations of minus 8.9% less hardware sales, minus 10.7% less software sales, and minus 28.8% less net profit. That suggests to me there's no plans for the Switch Pro, Al. Uh, certainly not in this financial year. No, I think it's safe to say we ain't going to be seeing anything particularly earth-shattering or uh, new coming out until at least 2023-2024 financial year, so probably, I guess, April onwards next year. Um, a bit disappointing. Clearly Nintendo are not betting on themselves this year. And I have to say, halfway through the Switch's life cycle, I was kind of hoping for a bit better. But they may be just being pragmatic and realistic, going, look, we had a bumper last two years because lockdown they're maybe just being pragmatic and going the world's opened up we know people are gaming less there's no we're going to keep up the momentum we had before let's just chuck these numbers out here it could be that but i think you're right it does very much suggest that there's nothing mega and major coming in the pipeline which kind of thoroughly depresses me boo anton uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to see, uh, I guess, this degree of honesty. You know, I believe we had a rumor a couple of weeks back discussing that Nintendo's hardware sales were going to be a lower prediction this year, but there's plans to make it up in hard software. And looking at the current slate of software, some brilliant games, especially Spark of Hope. I'm very excited for that. Splatoon 3. But I don't see it moving the needle. And I think this slightly reflects it. And as you say, you know, bumper year. And I imagine if there are big games in the pipeline, they'll be held off a little until it starts getting towards that Switch 2, Switch Pro. Whatever the next project for Nintendo will be, then it will be. And I guess there is only so many Smash Bros or Animal Crossings in the Nintendo IP lockbox. 
Yeah. Super Switch. They've got to call it the Super Switch. I'll be really angry if they don't. Yeah, I mean, I think it will happen. I just don't... It's it's going to be a while. Yeah. And, 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 what are you going to the say? Switch, the Switch U. A brilliant <laughs> idea. Nothing can go wrong. No, that's definitely going to work. Switch 64. Just make a Switch, but make it 64-bit instead. No? Um, I, mean, I suppose that's kind of what the expansion uh, pack's for. But um, yeah, it's certainly... Um, I think indicates that we're not going to see any major new hardware announcements anytime soon. But I actually don't mind that as as long as we get regular directs, we see some, you know, they they keep the the core audience happy with some good announcements and build towards something new in the next year or two. I mean, it's a, it's a long cycle for a console, but actually it still feels relevant. That's the thing about it. It doesn't feel, you know, we, I know we're starting to get a bit like, eh, but there's still a lot of people out there just buying Switches for the first time. I saw a tweet today, actually, someone said, I'm thinking of getting a Switch. Anyone got any advice? And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's a long time. You know, I can't think of many other consoles that people are thinking about buying five, six years after it launched, Anton. Yeah, and just even then, it's quite amazing because obviously especially on the used market, the prices are just going down and down and down. Like I'm starting to see on eBay, Switch lights going anywhere from like 60 to 90 pounds, which that opens up to a whole different lot of people. That's like, oh, I want to buy a game and you can get that game and a console for like 120-ish. Um, yeah. It's a, a very different thing. And it also can just be like, oh, I'm doing a little bit of traveling. And I get a little handheld console. It really changes it up. It's getting back to where, you know, the 2DS and the 3DS used to be in terms of pricing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nintendo have just spent £355 million on share buybacks following this. Nintendo announced a 10 to 1 split on their stocks. Uh, Give us a bit of context, Al, here. How does this all work? Um, All right, so Nintendo's doing businessy things, effectively. So Nintendo at the moment, they're a cash-rich company. They've got a whole lot of money. Uh, and so they decided to go and buy back all the shares. They've already done this last year. I think it was last August. They bought back a whole ton of their shares. And they announced this week, I think it was on the 10th, that they, when trading opened in Japan, they were going to buy back, I think it was 1 million or up to 1 million of their stocks, which I think was 0.89% of all their stocks. So they're basically slowly taking their, their capital reserves, their all their cash, and buying themselves back, which is quite good because it means they're then at... Uh, less of the behest of investors. It means that they have uh, more control over themselves. It just gets all rid of a whole lot of money, which is kind of good from a business accounting point of view. Uh, so yeah, they are basically doing that. But at the same time, they're announcing this ten to one split. And uh, you might be going, "What? What? I don't care. What's that?" Well, basically, Nintendo are being kind of smart. So because they are such a cash-rich company and because they're such a successful company, their shares are worth a lot of money. If you want to buy one Nintendo share, it costs you like more than $400 for one share. That kind of makes them risky to invest in and inaccessible to the smaller investor. So they're going, all right, all our shares out there, we're going to split them into 10. So your share that was, uh, say, one share, that's now worth 10 shares. That takes the average share value from about £400 down to about £40, $40. That's much more accessible, which means that people can buy a whole of shares, worry less about the risk, and it means the small investors can pile in and help boost Nintendo's overall value again because, well, their share price has been going down a bit recently, so they're looking for ways of boosting it. This is quite a smart way of doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that actually clears it up. That's, um, yeah, well done, business an- a- al- analyst. Um, Anton, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, will you be 
jumping into some shares? Yeah, it is actually for for 40 quid to own a bit of Nintendo is very, very intriguing. And overall, I think it is a good move in terms of one, just raising their own value and making them more accessible. But also, I guess, with them buying back their shares, kind of getting the investors less involved in their decision making and two, giving them a little bit more of a protection towards any hostile takeovers that will happen, which... You know, we came from a time maybe like five years ago where there was just kind of a cap of where we thought investments or acquisitions could happen within of the gaming space. But I think especially the most recent Activision deal, obviously a small frag compared to the value of Nintendo, it really puts a whole different perspective on what is possible in terms of, you know, an acquisition. And even Ubisoft with the attempts of hostile takeovers in the past. It's a, a much different world than we used to live in. Yeah. Do you think they're worried Microsoft should come and try and buy them again? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we Microsoft would worry because I know the Japanese government is very kind of step in when a, an outside country tries to buy one of their companies. But maybe a Sony or another Japanese large conglomerate could t- take the plunge. Yeah, the Panasonic Switch. You never know. I mean, a Panasonic, <laughs> Nintendo, so I don't know. It just gets confusing. No, I'm sure it'll be fine for a while. Actually, we have some interesting sales figures on the Switch. Now sold 107 million units, which is absolutely phenomenal. In 2021-22, the Switch itself made up 58.8% of the sales. The OLED made up 25.2% and the Lite 16% on the money. One in four Switches and OLED, that's quite a substantial number, Al. It is impressive, and actually surprised at how low the light is in terms of those numbers. I mean, I kind of get that the demand for the light is a lot lower because you can't dock it, which sort of takes away half of the functionality of the Switch. I mean, I also thought the light was a bit of a weird thing in the first place, but I know you you own at least one, if not two, though. Um, but I'm just really pleased to see the original Switch still, you know, holding its own, and nearly sixty percent of the sales are the original Switch. Well done, old machine. Yeah, I was uh, shocked at these numbers in a couple different regards. I, for one, thought the price of the Switch itself, the default one, I felt like more people would have went for an OLED. I thought those two would be a lot more neck and neck. I didn't think the OLED would be crazy above it, but I thought they would be neck and neck. And similarly, shocked at how low the light percentage is, which makes me wonder if this light is in need of a little bit of rejuvenation. Um, I wonder if the impact of the OLED being the definitive mobile experience uh, is hindering it. And as you say, the lack of dockability. Yeah, is it, it room for a light OLED? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, that that's one of the reasons that I switched uh, to an OLED mm-hmm. is because portably, it's the best experience. That screen is, is phenomenal. So I think... There is a point there, Anton. I think a lot of people who might have gone for a light have gone for an OLED because even though there's that price jump, it's they are playing it portably and the light maybe makes sense. A lot of people never dock their Switch. I mean, I saw a survey on this and it's pretty neck and neck actually with who does what. So um, yeah, I can see there being a space for an OLED light. I think if we're going to get anything this year um, in the next uh, within this financial year, it might be that, but... Um, then again, maybe not. It is Nintendo. You never know. Uh, concerning the claim filled with the National Labour Relations Board, Doug Bowser has shared this internal memo. He said, Nintendo is not aware of any attempts to unionise or related activity and it tends to cooperate with the investigation conducted by the N." 
LRB. Nintendo is fully committed to providing a welcoming and supportive work environment for all our employees and contractors. We take matters of employment very seriously. We've seen many stories and exposés on uh, gaming development companies and and, uh, production houses over the last couple of years, Al. And I guess Nintendo just by having Doug Bowser sharing that, it's kind of like setting the stall out nice and early just to make sure that, you know... Um, well, I guess it's sort of in relation to the story that we talked about, I think it was just last week, where there was a... Uh, leak is maybe the wrong word, but they were saying that Nintendo staff got treated very well, all the contractors got treated very badly. There's a difference between, was it the blue badge holders and the red badge holders? Uh, and I guess this is a Nintendo... Esky red shirts. Trying to... Exactly. Trying to set out, as you say, set out their stall and trying to kind of quash these rumours, saying that they uh, will... Um, uh, work with the NLRB which I presume is something like the National Labour Relations Body, either that or something far more interesting Um, but yeah, uh, it's Nintendo's reaction to I think that story, would I be right Anton? You're absolutely right Uh, this has been one that's been making a little bit of a stir following that when having made the notes for this podcast uh, I saw that Reggie's been getting asked about it on his press tour and he's like I don't work for the company no more don't ask me nothing <laughs> so it's uh, clearly rustled a lot of feathers and it seems to be a sad trend of the industry I've seen similar reports with some of Microsoft studios such as Free for Free Industries it's not it's an awkward one. Uh, I think the both the tech and video game spaces are just industries that have grown so quickly and now that they're kind of at the scale they're at, there's just a lot of growing pains. They rely heavily on contractors because, you know, when you're making a video game, you need a lot of artists early, you need a lot of programmers uh, kind of mid-development and then you need a lot of, uh, you know, game testers late development. It's not financially sustainable to have all of those people in, but that volume of just floors of contractors isn't quite how many other industries work. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how things change. As you said, the industry has grown so much that there will be changes and there are going to be these moments, I would imagine. So we'll see how things change as we progress with the industry itself. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl lead artist has shared this on Twitter. Some videos, comments, etc. are doing the smash killer shtick again. I'd really rather you not. I'd really, really prefer any other joke or punching bag or whatever that doesn't have the kind of proven track record of instigating conflict as a result of this branding. Um, Okay, so they're not happy with the types of um, jokes that people are making on Twitter, Al. Uh, basically, don't compare us to Smash. Yeah. We don't want to be compared to Smash. We're a standalone game. If you compare us to Smash, we will disappoint you. That's kind of how I'm interpreting this. Am I wrong, Anton? <laughs> you are right on the money. Um, it's been interesting. This has been causing a little bit of a stir where, you know, some people are of the stance of, yeah, you know, you use our small team. It must suck to have your, you know, years of work be summed up as a Smash clone. And then there's other people that are like, that's how we just discuss video games. How many great video games are described as a Metroidvania, for instance? So it's brought up a lot of interesting discord about how people think it's okay to label video games on the whole. I kind of feel that it might be a bit of an own goal making that statement, though. I I think (laughs) for me, if I was the... 
PR manager of that company, I'd be saying, let's just, let's type this out and we'll read it in the morning. It's one of those tweets that you write when you're really annoyed and you've seen one too many of them and you've maybe had one too many and you go, I'm sending this now and nothing is going to stop you, stop me. And that's kind of how it comes across to me. And it's, it's the kind of thing I would do but my wife would say, just hold on a second, wait, and we'll send it in the morning. And then you read it when you're, you know, cold light of day and you go, ah, probably not worth it. Yeah, we, we've all sent those messages in the past. And you're right. And it does kind of smack a little bit of a, an impulsive message. Maybe shouldn't have gone out or should maybe at least have been better thought through. But it does kind of make you think, yeah, even if this guy hasn't got faith in his own game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. It doesn't give you the vibe of confidence that perhaps you might expect from a developer of a game. But look, it's, I understand the frustrations. I'm sure they uh, probably are frustrated by that on a daily basis. Uh, good story. This one, um, Ukrainian developer Frogwares, they created Sherlock Holmes, the devil's daughter and the sinking city, which is a game I really still want to play and I haven't actually got around to, but it's, um, it's on my list, my never ending list. Uh, they've received a mega grant from Epic games and that's going to be used to help, employees locate to safer areas in light of the ongoing Russian invasion and support working from home for all staff. So overall, a really good thing because a, a company like Frogwares who do some really good stuff, it's important that they can continue to do that, Anton. Yeah, and I think it really shows the, I guess, uh, the perseverance uh, of so many of the Ukrainian people at the moment where uh, despite all the hardships that are going on, um, you know, it's it's not that, you know, something they've signed on to, you know, it's wanting to, you know, get to work and live their life and create the art that they want to create. Um, and the fact that, you know, people are persevering such uh, within such uh, circumstances is just incredible. And it's great to see a larger company like Epic Games give out a mega grant, you know, probably a a small penny for them, but for a developer on the scale of Frogwares will be just making the world, not only to them, but to the individual employees getting into safer places and being able to continue their careers in a safe way is lovely. It is. I would love to know how it came about. I don't know uh, if it's something that they can just apply for, because I think Epic Epic's mega grants are a thing. Uh, and yeah, I presume they just applied for this and, and have been granted it. And it's a good news story in amongst, let's face it, a couple of weeks of less good news stories surrounding this particular topic. Yeah. Uh, Mediatonic have announced Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout Relaunch. The game will be coming to Nintendo Switch and Microsoft Xbox. The game is going to be free to play, support for cross-play and cross-progression, new challenges and rewards, new events and locations, a new progression system, new currency, season passes, and a new back-end run by Epic Games. It's coming out in June the 21st. I saw a tweet from uh, one of my favorite youtubers saying this is this would have been amazing news two years ago um and i get what they're saying but i actually disagree slightly i still think this is great it's a bit weird that it's um well no it's not weird that it's free to play i don't know much about fall guys other than everyone was playing it for a while and everyone was having a great time so the fact we're getting it on this on the switch and it's not going to cost us anything well will it we'll see um that's kind of cool in my book i'm 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 cautiously optimistic, Al. Yeah, it does explain why it kept getting delayed and kept getting delayed and kept getting delayed because clearly they've been working on this this route for a while and just thought, well, there's no point in releasing it, but we've told everyone to release it. Oh, delay it. 
delay it. And okay, so it's going to go free to play. Uh, I haven't got a big problem with that. As you say, Mike, it depends how they go about monetizing it. There's a pretty well-established structure for monetizing this kind of game these days, and most of the time it is for just, hey, paid to get extra skin packs and new looks and all that kind of stuff that doesn't really affect the core game. So if they go down that route and we can all have a bit of a laugh, then that would be great. But it does feel a little bit like we're a bit late to the party. This was this was big two years ago, as you, as you pointed out, and it's a little bit less big now, but it might be just the, the shot at the needs in the arm to rejuvenate it. Yeah, I think this has been a, a very well-done move. Um, with it being so past its prime, I feel like the relaunch on... Uh, the Switch and Microsoft Xbox would have been kind of wasted on the moment. It's so past. So I think them revitalizing the game and getting it, you know, with this new relaunch, the free-to-play, will get people that maybe wanted to play it to actually play it. And I'm excited to see how it all comes together. Epic Games, the owner of Mediatonic, one them supplying the back end will help subvert uh, hackers because they just have a very robust online infrastructure with some of their other games. And have a, with them having also bought Rocket League and turned that free to play, which from what I gather was a fairly smooth transition. And they're it working was. Fortnite as a you know £40 title free to play juggernaut of today. They seem like the right people to make a long lasting free to play title. And they've got a good bedrock here. I yeah. think the Mediatonic probably never expected it to be such a large success. And it seems like as soon as it was, they're like, okay, we're just going to really double down on this and then pivot into the season model. Yeah. And for the most part, games that are paid with a season battle pass and all that sort of stuff don't quite work out all the time. Yeah. So this here will have a kind of seasons with free progression and a battle pass with additional paid progression, a currency to buy stuff from a shop, the standard free-to-play fare. I'm excited to see this come together and with it being free-to-play. I wouldn't have bought it because I've kind of stopped caring, but I'll definitely give it a go on a couple consoles with the cross-progression. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, now that you've reminded me about Rocket League and the links there, that's given me more confidence in it as a product because Rocket League's free uh, version is actually really good and it's uh, I, I think I bought Rocket League probably three times in my life because I love that game but it, the free to, it, the free to play um, model that it has now is is good and it works really well so and it's probably likely Fall Guys will be free to play even if you don't have um, Switch Online because that's the same as Rocket League you can still play Rocket League online if you don't have the online pass which I think is, is really cool so um or you certainly could we should double check that just in case they're giving tough information but I'm pretty sure you definitely well you definitely could but whether you still can or not but I think it'll be similar and that gives me confidence uh, in the product so yeah excited to see how it goes I've never played it so I'm late to the party but that's all fine okay it is now time to move on to turbo mode you what? what I'm going to do here we've got the Indie World May uh, 2022 direct as well so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with turbo mode go through all those get your thoughts then i'm gonna go through the indie world stories and get your thoughts on some of those as well because there's quite a few of them and we have to record the whole show uh, within this day rather than <laughs> over the course of the next three so turbo mode first of all some stories for you and i can already spot the ones that i think al's going to talk about there's a couple in there that i'm like 
absolutely is going for. Uh, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Pokemon Legends RKS has sold 12 million units. EA Sports FIFA is going to be officially rebranded EA Sports FC. Uh, Nintendo have shared the opening animation for <laughs> Mario Strikers Battle League. Metroid Dread is the best-selling game in the franchise, selling 2.74 million units. Hollow Knight Silksong developer Team Cherry have shared, we're looking forward to the day we can share the game with you all. It can't be too much longer. Surely, well, if they don't know, then who does? Uh, Apex Legends has now made $2 billion in earnings since its arrival in 2019. Art of Rally is getting a physical physical release. Uh, Sega shares that they will actively leverage past IPs and further develop them. That is by means of remasters, remakes, reboots, etc. I have a feeling Anton might mention that one. Uh, Atlas opens their annual survey 2022. Again, you might want to talk about that one. Sungrand Studio have announced a Kickstarter to port Silver Falls to Pokemon Mini. Uh, WB uh, Multiverse has been announced, but not for the Nintendo Switch, uh, which, to be honest, I'm not surprised. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak will be getting a limited edition Nintendo Switch Pro Controller coming out 30th of June. Ow! Uh, okay, so there's actually, amazingly, there's not actually much in this week that I really want to talk about. I mean, Art of Rally getting a physical release, that's great, but don't waste your money. Go buy Rush Rally Origins instead. It's much better, <laughs> in my opinion. My humble opinion. Okay, it's not so humble. I should be humble. Um, but actually, the one I want to talk about there was the Pokemon Legends Arceus, because I find that quite interesting. That is a great game. They got sort of so much acclaim. 12 million units. Sounds like a lot. And I thought I'd look up and see how many units uh, Sword and Shield made. Sword and Shield combined made 24 million. So literally, I guess each version, if you're going to split down the middle, made 12 million each. So this is done as well as the main line of Pokemon games, which is great because they branched out from what they have traditionally done. I mean, this is a completely different mechanic, completely different game, and it has been really well received. And I just think that's very, very cool. Um, I also just had a snigger at the EA Sports FC because that is such a rubbish name. Have you, Mike, watched the trailer or the trailer, the opening sequence of Mario Strikers Battle League? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic about it. I think I, it's a game that even when I, the, it first came out, the original version, I was never sort of like, when I watched the trailer, I was never like, oh, fantastic. I was always like, oh, that looks that looks fun but the proof was playing it and that's kind of where i'm at with this as well see that's kind of where i'm at I've, I've watched it i went yeah great that was a fun little video but i want to play the game yeah i, I don't <laughs> why have you bothered giving me this video i don't care i want to play the game yeah <laughs> and it's one of those games where i'm just not that i'm i didn't rush to go and watch it even though i want the game because i'm just like well it's mario strikers i'll, I'll play it when i play it you know it's kind of one of those kind of games but yeah i agree with you there uh, and that's me. What about you, Anton? What were you? What was burning on your end of your oh. tongue that you've got to get out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that art of rally hot take. Your your review. Some of the comments. Some people from PC land are like, "Why don't you like art of rally?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got some spicy comments. So do check out the review for Rush Rally Origins. Um, but nevertheless, uh, speaking of shameless plugs, it's lovely to see uh, to do and Silver Falls make its way to the Pokemon. Many such a bizarre, odd console from Nintendo's history that people forget. And we've done a brilliant prequel episode on that, episode 35. Do check it out if you're a Patreon or head to our website, nsukp forward slash support dash us if you would like to check out that episode of the podcast and become a patron. I am delighted to see Sega delving back into their back catalogue. 
they have announced that they're planning to do five quote-unquote super games, which seem to be proper big AAA reboots. And I'm interested to see which of the reboots they do. Like, could you imagine like a AAA Crazy Taxi? Mm, uh, that's what AAA, was, that was yeah. my instinct. I was like, Crazy Taxi? <laughs> Yeah, we've got Sonic Frontiers, which looks to be the highest budget one in the franchise. Imagine Nights and Dreams, uh, Golden Axe, uh, uh, you know, a main kind of core franchise. Bring it back into the Sega. They've learned it sells well. A Streets of Rage with like a triple A budget. I'm excited to see what that comes from. Uh, EA Sports FC. I think it's been somewhat a sensible title for making one name that can be used across the whole world. The one thing I didn't want them to do is have it called one name in one country and one name in another. This seems like a sensible compromise. Um, I, I was expecting them to go for FUT because that's what they put on their like points card. So it's better than that. So that's all I can say on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just EA Sports FC. I'm just like, come on now. Could I not have thought something? For me, I just, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. But, you know, I guess that's the way it was always going to go. It was always going to go for something like that, I think, that I probably wouldn't have liked. It's been called FIFA for so long. It was called FIFA back on the Mega Drive, and it was a good game on the Mega Drive. It just feels weird to me to call it anything else, so I'll probably keep calling it FIFA. Uh, Atlas opening their annual survey. That's really interesting, because they've done this before, and everyone said Persona, but yet they still haven't done Persona on the Switch. And like, what are you doing? (laughs) I did that survey, and I just took every moment to be like, give me Persona. 5 and when they're like what consoles do you own I was like I have them all and then for all the answers I was like I only play on the Switch the other consoles don't exist they're rubbish literally it's like every bit where they're like what would make you think about buying this game I was like "Mm, I just need to play it like on a handheld and then at the end I was like the Switch is the best selling console user idiots so somebody's gonna read that (laughs) you insulted them and that's why we're not getting it thanks Anton (laughs) they've redone the survey it's like when somebody spoils their ballot paper Anton spoiled his ballot paper for this and they've had to redo it that's what's happened but um so there's that one i thought it was quite uh, interesting that they've gone down that route again and um yeah mo- most of the other stuff you've kind of covered so uh, let's move on the sega reboots i am very excited to see what they they do come up with with that so next up indie worlds uh we've got a, a surprise uh, drop of an indie world direct for may 2022 and uh, there's some really interesting stuff in there but what i'm going to do rather than go through everything together there's so much in there I'm going to take it in chunks of four uh, at a time and then I'll let you kind of comment on anything in the in them at a time rather than doing the whole lot because that'll, that'll be boring uh, for me to go through them all. And um, if we do it one by one, we'll be here till Christmas. So let's do four. So I'll start with the first four. So we had Glumberland showcasing Ooblets for the Nintendo Switch, farming, town life and creature collection game with dance battles coming out 2022. Team 17 showcased Batora Lost Haven for the Nintendo Switch, a mix of hack and slash and a twin stick shooter in a non-linear interplanetary story-driven action RPG coming out fall 2022. Nama Takahashi showcased Alec Head for the Nintendo Switch. It's an electric 2D puzzle platformer coming summer 2022. And Drastic Games showcased Soundfall for Nintendo Switch. It's a dungeon crawler that combines looter shooter action with rhythm-based gameplay and it's out now. Anton, for the first four there, what one caught your eye? Um, I think it's absolutely got to be Ooblets. I know at least three people that have bought Xbox Series S's to play the game preview of Ooblets. So to finally get it, one, presumably out of beta and on a, you know, 
consoles that we all love and care dearly for. It's quite exciting, and I think it's just such a perfect home. Animal Crossing meets Pokemon, but it also just feels a lot fuller. I'm very, very, very excited. I think it's been in development for a good while, and it looks like it's going to be a very one whole and wholesome package. That is a great description. Animal Crossing meets Pokemon. I mean, that's kind of basically what it is, and I have to agree. I'm I'm exactly the same. I would say if this, the whole indie world, this is probably the highlight of the thing. They opened with, I think, the best game. Ooblets just looks wonderful. It looks so endearing and just comfortable and friendly and happy and all kinds of stuff. And the dance battles, I mean, normally people say the word dance and I go, oh no, uh, and I cringe. But dance battles with the Ooblets does look quite good fun. I I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm with both of you. I think that was the one for me that I thought just looks absolutely perfect for the Switch. And uh, it's a very well-reviewed game as well. So uh, excited for that one. Uh, Next up, we had from Deadpan Games and Gazeter. They showcased Wild Frost for the Nintendo Switch as a tactical roguelite deck builder with Permadeath coming out 2022. Landfall showcased totally accurate battle simulator for the Nintendo Switch. You can be the leader of wobblers from ancient lands, spooky places, and fantasy worlds coming out summer 2022. Love this name. Doinksoft showcased Gunbrella for the Nintendo Switch. It's a parkour shooter noir punk action adventure. Slightly just like picked like 20 buzzwords and throw them together there coming out 2023 and then team ofk showcased we are ofk for nintendo switch a making of the band series and interactive ep about dreaming dating and paying rent in los angeles coming out summer 2022 uh, i'll start on this one i actually like we are o- ofk it's kind of my game i know it sounds really lame but it actually sounds quite fun and i quite like the trailer i thought oh this looks kind of cool and a little bit you know, serially, which is cool. And um, Gunbrella as well, I thought looked quite quite fun and quite interesting. Uh, Anton, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I think We Are OFK does look good. They've shown off a little bit much, but overall Gunbrella is my favourite of the ones in there. The, the parkour feels and looks like the kind of gameplay of Celeste and combined with the shooting of like a pro force, it looks very fluid and refined. And, you know, when you have such a simple gameplay of a gun um, and jumping, I think they've pushed that to its limits and it looks very just refined. And I'm quite impressed by that title. How about yourself, Al? What's the, the highlights? A Gumbrella does look very good and it's a kind of game I don't think I play on my own, but if there is a multiplayer option, I think it could be really, really good fun. I can see us sitting down, you know, spinning a night playing that. It should be, it could be really good fun. Weirdly, I thought OFK looked I'm not going to say terrible. It does not look terrible. It looks like a very good game. But I looked at it and went, who wants to spend their time playing a game where you've got to pay your rent in LA and have a depressing life? No, thank you very much. For me, by far the standout game in there was one I have tried to play before. I tried playing this on the Xbox and was abysmal at it, but it was a totally accurate battle simulator. It's just hilarious. I mean, I didn't even get through the the um, so the training ones because I couldn't figure out where to put my people without them getting slaughtered repeatedly over and over again. But once you get through the trailing training bit there's so much in that game and it it's just wildly stupid and hilarious and i'm quite pleased we're getting the switch it means that i might actually go and give it another bash and see if i can figure it out to not get annihilated within sort of like three rounds of a tutorial yeah. <clears throat> yeah i'm not very good at it uh, spiral circus games showcased silt for the nintendo switch explore the dangerous waters 
possess sea creatures and solve puzzles to travel deeper into the darkness coming out June 2022. Dinosaur Polo Club showcased many motorways for the Nintendo Switch. It's a strategy simulation game about designing the roadmap for a growing city and it's out now. Ghost Pattern showcased a Wayward Strand for the Nintendo Switch. It's a heartfelt interactive story told in a unique and curious way and massive monsters showcased cult of the lamb for nintendo switch part time builder part dungeon crawler coming out 2022 um for me i really liked the look of silt i thought that looked quite um stylish and wayward strand looked really wholesome so they were probably my two picks there al what about you I thought you'd like Wayward Strand. It looked very much up your street. It came from an Australian developer. I loved having the Australian accents in there, which was which is kind of cool. For me, I agree. I thought Silt looked um, Silt looked beautiful. Actually, Silt is a really attractive looking game, and I'm kind of hoping we get a chance to to try that one out. And I quite like the look of Mini Motorways. It looked from the demo, or not maybe not the demo, but the video shows like it was ridiculously simple. But I suspect it's fiendishly awkward and horrendous, and will have me screaming. But I kind of want to go and play it find out if it's calming or not <laughs> what about you anton um well i have played many motorways on a lot actually i've played it on mac apple tv ipad um yeah that's a lot <laughs> and it's one of my favorite games of either i think it was last year it's one just incredibly charming it does get intense but you can kind of pause and think about it and yeah it's simple but complicated it's so satisfying to build up your little town um, think about it, make mistakes, learn from your mistakes. It's got weekly and daily challenges. Uh, they just added a night mode where you've got little headlights on your little tiny cars and it's adorable. I, I love it. And I think for, for 12 quid, it's a bargain. Um, and if you're still on the fence, Mini uh, Metro, their previous game, is even more simple, but equally lovely. They're done fantastic stuff they spent a real long time working on mini waterways much longer than i would ever expect a game like this to take but the result of that is an incredibly polished product yeah um yeah some of the actually there's quite a high standard across the board i think with quite a lot of the games it's uh it's been quite quite an interesting one um next up then we've got four more for you uh starting with um, massive did we say the Cult of the Lamp? We did just talk about that, didn't we? we did, Agro yeah. Crab showcased another crab's treasure for Nintendo Switch and Underwater Souls Light coming out 2023. Uh, Dangan Entertainment showcased One Shot World Machine Edition for the Nintendo Switch, a surreal top down puzzle adventure game with unique gameplay capabilities that go beyond the game window coming out summer 2022. Broken Rules showcased Gibbon Beyond the Trees for Nintendo Switch, a hand drawn adventure following a lost Gibbon as they embark on a dangerous journey into unknown lands and that's out now and glitch pitch showcased idle manager for the nintendo switch which is a business sim about conquering the entertainment industry using any means you deem necessary coming out august 25th um i was quite um, impressed kind of with all of them here for different reasons just very quickly uh, agro crab looks hilarious i think that looks like a lot of fun and anything with crabs we had crab fighter or whatever it was the fighting crabs game that was kind of up my street as well so uh dangan entertainment's one shot world machine edition looks really cool and it reminds me of kind of like an undertale or a um one of those type of games which is quite fun uh given beyond the trees is really beautiful looking i'm not sure if i if i would play that one but i think it looks amazing it reminds me like a modern another world or something like that um and the uh, idol manager one um it's kind of up my street again i know they're ridiculous games but i just quite like managing life sim type games i don't know why but um anton what about you 
Uh, yeah, you know, I think it speaks incredibly highly of this indie world event when the two games I have played have been really good. And I've played um, Gibbon Beyond the Trees on iPhone and on Mac. And I, I really enjoyed it. It's got the kind of momentum-based gameplay that is so beloved of a Sonic game, but with some swinging like a Spider-Man. I don't know. I I felt it quite uh, catharsis. No, that's not the right word. Cathartic. Enjoyable cathartic uh I, I thought it was really good and another crab it's weird that souls like is becoming a genre so we've got metrovanias and now we have souls like stop comparing We're- if there's one thing i hate it's being compared to to um thingy souls <laughs> yeah really good video games i hate getting compared to those <laughs> that thingy souls game uh, al I'm not going to lie. I got to this stage and went, oh, I've lost interest now. There, The gen wasn't anything in here that I went, oh, I like the look of that. The, the aggro crab did look funny, but the gameplay didn't engage me. It just looked a bit repetitive and a bit dull. And then we got into one shot and I thought, eh, it's fine, but it's not my cup of tea. Gibbons did pique my curiosity. I have to admit, Gibbon Beyond the Trees did look kind of cool, but I kind of took away from it. It's interesting you said you played it on, uh, on iPhone, Anton. I took away from it going, that would be a great game to pick up and play it on my phone when I've got like, two minutes and then put it back down again it's not something I want on the Switch now that's maybe doing a huge disservice given the fact that you were just praising it I will maybe retract that inner monologue of mine and I completely ruled out Idol Manager <laughs> funny that I hadn't expected that would be number one on your list if you'd said that I'd have thought something <laughs> I thought someone would put something in your tea tonight if you'd said that uh, right there's five left um, so I'm just going to do the last five and then we can chat about those uh, Nerial showcased Card Shark for the Nintendo Switch Cheat Your Way to the Top of Society coming out June the 2nd uh, Chuhai Labs uh, have showcased Cursed to Golf for Nintendo Switch. It's a side-scrolling golf-like adventure where every shot counts, coming out in the summer. Starry Starry showcased a guidebook of Babel for Nintendo Switch. It's a time-twisted adventure game coming out autumn 2022. And Sagono Inc. showcased Opus, Echo of Starsong, full bloom edition for Nintendo Switch, a visual novel-style adventure game. It's out now. And in the Japan-only stream, Omori got a release date of June the 17th. Um, Anton, which one's from these uh, piqued your curiosity? Yeah, I, to be honest, I have no idea why they didn't show off in the, the Western event because it has an uh, English port and that's Omori getting a release date. It's a lovely Earthbound slash Undertale-inspired quirky RPG. Incredible music, incredible writing with apparently a lot of twists and turns. So that's one I've been holding out the longest. It's either been when I get a Steam Deck first or when it comes to Switch first. So it uh, looks like it's coming to my Switch very soon. Very excited to play that. And uh, Card Shark looks nice to be able to play a card game where I don't have to learn the rules all over again because it's just standard card games and the gimmick is you're just cheating the higher ups in society. So who doesn't love a little bit of a Robin Hood-esque story? I have to say, Anton, I loved your description of Cursed to Golf as a golf-like. <laughs> that is I'm... not my wording. That is off the press release. Seriously, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, no, that, that game is by far my favourite of this this whole thing. It's probably my second favourite game of the whole uh, indie uh, world. I just, there's something very, very pleasing about whacking a golf ball and making it bounce and controlling its bounce and, I don't know, freezing pawns and all the kind of stuff they showed us in that like, five-second clip. It's already got me going, I want that game. I want to go buy that game and I want it right now. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Well, interesting because we 
chatted to the team at Sagono way back at the start of the podcast, like four and a half years ago or something it was, um, because we did they had the two Opus games and we did an interview with them. And um, I played the first one and really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it's interesting. The, the game's really developed since then. It was a short game and it's a lot more sort of full than it was then as a, as a game. So in terms of the the animations and the story, but um, yeah, that's quite an interesting one. Not, there weren't long games, so I would imagine this will be fairly short as well. Card Shark, I remember hearing about before and love the premise of that. That's fun. And Curse to Golf, much like uh, both of you, I think that looks really great. Actually, a guidebook of Babel as well. The, the standard was surprisingly high across the board for me. I mean, I didn't... Uh, it's funny, I wasn't that interested because I have so many games right now that I've, I kind of wasn't like tuned into it like I normally am. When it, can I, I love an, an indie direct of any sort, but it just kind of passed me by a little bit. But now going back, I've kind of gone, actually, there's a lot of stuff there that I actually do like. Um, it's a good solid 8 out of 10 for me, Al. Mm, I'll give it a seven and a half. I won't go quite as high as eight, but because there were a couple of good things in there, so yeah, I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll split years in the middle. Seven point five. Um, it doesn't feel quite. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was all right. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> it just needed one more ooblets to get it up into the top tiers. Yeah. Well, it depends if you're half as a point five all, then you've, you're the same, or if you're if you're going we, with. We're, we're, I think we're the same. Yeah. Yes, yeah. My seven and a half is is a seven point five. Seven point yeah. seven five. Unanimous. Seven point six. <laughs> seven point six. Just to get one up. Uh, it is time for this week's rumor. No, I'm not normally one for gossip, but rumor. <laughs> it, well, it is. It's just the one. So I had to, you know, I've got to be accurate. Uh, and it's this one. Uh, Nvidia have started hiring for a game console developer tools engineer. So Anton, what do you think this is in reference to? Um, yeah, it, it seems basically, obviously, they don't really do the NVIDIA Tegra line of CPUs and GPU, or I guess it's all um, built into one a system and a chip, SOC. They don't really develop those anymore because they didn't really take off. However, the Switch used one and still continues to use one. And the next Switch will really very much require to keep uh, NVIDIA SOC if they intend to have backwards compatibility, which... Looking at where Nintendo stands and how they've been discussing their upcoming transition, seems likely it'll be kind of like a Switch 2. So it looks like they're going to be needing backward compatibility and NVIDIA's just going to have to make it happen. I'm wondering what kind of money Nintendo's having to pay to get them basically a bespoke system on a chip developed. Wow, it's been a while since they've done that, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it does seem a bit bonkers in today's world to have a bespoke chip made just for your console. It's, it's very much the way the consoles used to be a long time ago. But, I mean, PlayStation made a bespoke chip for, was it the PlayStation 3 off the top of my head? Which was horrendous and no developer wanted to develop for it because it was just so bad. But at least this one's using existing technology. And if they're just incrementally moving forward their, their normal architecture, it might not be uh, it might not be too bad. Um yeah, it's just a shame they don't make a Tiger generally anymore. Because, I mean, it was a good, good chip. As well as that, it was lovely to have uh, an opposing force to Qualcomm. Um, they, they basically, outside of Apple Silicon and the iPhones, not really any competition there. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see where it does lead. And, of course, it is a rumour at the moment. Uh, but it might become a news story at some point soon. You never know. It is time for the quiz. It sure is. It's uh, Anton six, Mike four. Very admirably on four. I say, Mike, you're doing, you're not doing badly. Thank I you. Have to say, thank you. And if I'd been taking the double points, I'd have been on eight. So I'd have been the lead, yeah. but I'm you, not going to do that. 
ex- well, you you never know. Time will tell. I might do it if I'm like a hundred four down in a hundred weeks. So you know, I might do it then. Well, as always, I'm intrigued to see who's going to get these ones this week. There's, there, I've I've been sneaky again. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say any more than that. I'm just going to say I've been sneaky because it's fun. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Our first game is a Game Boy Advanced game from 1995. That's all I'm going to give you. Oh, Game Boy Advance from 1995. Um, yeah. Oh. That doesn't line up, Al. Are you sure it's a Game Boy Advance game in 1995? Game Boy Advance according, to, according to Wikipedia. Let me just check this. <laughs> I'm thinking, what was this? When did you say, when did the GBA come out? 2001. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. It can't be 1995. can't be five. That was yeah. the original release. Dang it, hold on. I've screwed this up. <laughs> <laughs> Mike can edit all this, right? Hold on, when did the GBA version come out? Yeah, I'll, ed- I'll, I'll absolutely edit it out. I'm not yeah, going totally to gonna leave it. it. I know you will. Yeah, 100%. You're not going to leave this in no, at all, no, are no, you? No, not at all. Not at all. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> so, this oh, I'm just going to forget the year. I'm just going to tell you. It's a GBA game. Right, cool, but not 1995. <laughs> not 1995. No. Um, no, the original game was 1995. The GBA version specifically was not. Oh, um, is it Grand Theft Auto? No, it's not. Advance. Uh, is it uh, blah, 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 95 is the original? Uh, let's go for the Flintstones. <laughs> no, the GBA version was developed by Digital Eclipse. Um, Duke Nukem Advance. No. Doom Advance. No. Uh, it was also released on the Atari Jaguar, the PlayStation. The Sega Saturn, DOS, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, sorry, to be specific. The Nintendo DIS is also later ported to iOS and Android, but they were mostly developed by a different developer. I mean, I'm going to... Wolfenstein 3D? Hmm? Wolfenstein 3D? 3D? No, it is not. Uh, um, Tetris? Nope. Uh, This is where we might get into actually what the game is. The character was created by French video game designer Michael Ansel in the 1980s when he was a teenager, at a time when he was learning to draw, compose music and code in order to follow his dreams and make it into the video game industry. Oh, jeez. Rayman Advance? No, but you're exceedingly close. Um, me, um, is it, um, Rayman? It is. I'm going to give you half a point each for that because Anton was so ridiculously close, but he got the wrong game. He stuck an extra word arbitrarily on the end when you didn't need to do it. Oh, how come he gets half a point? If it was me, if it was me, you absolutely wouldn't give me the half a point. Okay, fair enough, half a point. I mean, I probably, I, I, I would, I might have got there, but not that. Probably not in that round. So yeah, we'll go half a point. That's fair. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with that one. I did. I, did you guys know that this was? It, they start off developing this one for the Atari ST. They then decided to move it over to the SNES CD-ROM because it was a better fit because the Atari ST was going to waning. And then, obviously, SNES ditched the SNES CD-ROM before it was even really launched, and they then had to move it back to Atari to put it on the Jaguar, which is where it first came out. I think I vaguely remember it being an Atari game, but it's um, it's somewhere in the depths of my uh, lack of knowledge, to be honest. Yeah, it was almost like, uh, for whatever console it was on, because it then went was it 3DO after that? And I believe both of them are like, it's our little mascot, even though none of them owned half of the rights of those games. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Do you actually know where he got his name from? As in the character Rayman. I wonder no. if it's something to do with, is it to do with Rain Man, the film? 
Uh, it's not. No, we, uh, Michael Ansell was fascinated with ray tracing, which is a new technology at the time, and they incorporated it into the game. Ah. And that's where he got his name from. So although we're all talking about ray tracing now, ray tracing back in the 2D times was how Rayman got his name. Cool. I think that's awesome. I love that. All right, so it's it's half a point apiece, <laughs> which is awkward. So let's jump into the second game, which is in 1994, and this is correct. 1994 Construction Management Sim. Sim City. Um, theme Hospital No uh, It was originally on DOS But it was ported to a load of consoles Including Deep Breath Time again <laughs> Amiga 3DO The Mega Drive The Mega CD The Amiga CD32 Mac OS uh, Atari Jaguar The FM Towns Sega Saturn The PlayStation The Super NES The Nintendo DS And most recently iOS <laughs> Theme Park <laughs> A lot of places It is Theme Park Ta-da oh, GG <laughs> Thank you. I had it on the PC. I I think I had it on the PC. I I used to play it a lot. I can't remember what on, but probably the PC, where it was it was exceedingly well reviewed. Everyone loved it. But it came from um, oh, what was his name, Peter Molyneux. So you know he is a gaming god. He gave us Populous Black and White and Dungeon Keeper. Of course, that it was going to be a success, and it was brilliant. One of the best things about it was the animations, because back then it was you know when you created something it would sort of animate it or you at the beginning i remember this opening sequence very clearly so there's it's kind of like moments of it etched in my brain years later (laughs) it is very cool okay well uh let's go into the final round because so far this could still go to a tie if anton gets closer to the pin okay what year did sim city come out who's going first uh you are (sighs) Uh, Sim City was, oh me, I'm going to say this and I'm not even sure, 92. Anton? Uh, 1993. Phew, I don't need a tiebreaker. It was 1989. Mike wins! Phew, 1989. Well, I did know. 1989. I remember it was very early because, um, but for some reason I thought it was maybe early 90s, but... Um, yeah. That means you're one point behind Anton. I know. That's quite a shocker. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it won't last, Anton, but we should maybe take a picture while we're here of the score <laughs> and just, you know, for all to see. It's only May, though. We've got, we've got a long year ahead of us, so it's fine. I think Anton's sandbagging. I think he's deliberately just holding himself back to let you get some early points to make it a bit more dramatic before he then leaps ahead and shoots off into the distance <laughs> later in the season. You, you give me too much credit. You know, Rayman advance I, I was so close and and me not enough mind you I'd have still won anyway so you can have the point now so it's fine um, <laughs> uh, that is just about it for our episode longer one this week but uh, hopefully it's been uh, useful enjoyable and all that fun uh, we really do appreciate everybody that is uh, listening which is you and if you are listening on the regular feed then thank you for that there's a load of extra content that you can come and get at nsukp.co.uk forward slash support dash us you can find out how to sign up to one of our patreon tiers and there's loads of extra stuff in there and a really nice community on Discord as well. So if you want to join us, then please do. Al, anything else that we need to add? You can email podcast at nsukp.co.uk. We've actually had quite a lot of emails in recently, some from Patreon, some from listeners, many from developers and uh, production studios uh, with games, news, information and offering us review codes. So that's kind of cool. Indeed. And uh, on that vein, uh, do check out Summit Sphere's Kickstarter for an Anton-like video game. 
They try to tell us there's nothing to do with him as well. I think I, uh, I there's something fishy going on here, Anton. Right, that is it for another week. Uh, once again, thank you for all your support. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Cheerio. Au revoir.